Okay, everyone, today's episode was recorded at and brought to you by Raven Sound Studio in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. Raven Sound Studio is a professionally equipped audio production facility offering recording, mixing, and mastering services throughout northern Arizona and surrounding areas. Whether you are looking to cut a demo, record your next single, or have a full album produced, Raven Sound Studio has the tools and skills you need to get the job done. For more information, head to www.ravensoundstudio.com to book a session or schedule a tour. Welcome to the Creative Convergence, an audible nexus of the creative arts. I'm your host, Candace Devine. Join me in conversation as we discuss the journey creatives take on their path to success. Hey everybody, today's guest is just the absolute loveliest. I've had the good fortune of knowing her a long time and she's not only wonderful as a human being, but she's an incredibly talented, (laughs) incredibly talented person. Let me tell you a little bit about her. Born and raised in Miami, Florida, Melanie began dancing at the tender age of four and trained technically in all forms of dance. The acting bug hit her at age nine and she landed 20 national commercials under her belt. She continued her dance training in Miami under famed choreographer Mia Michaels and became an NBA dancer for the Miami Heat. She moved to LA and booked multiple tours traveling the world with pop stars Jennifer Lopez, Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake, and was the only dancer hired on Pink's Misunderstood Tour. She also danced on numerous music videos and award shows, Grammys, Billboard Awards, American Music Awards, Kid Choice Awards, MTV VMAs, Saturday Night Live, Dancing with the Stars, and Good Morning America with top artists. Spears, Christina Aguilera, Jay-Z, Will Smith, Usher, Tina Turner, Sync, Mark Anthony, Gloria Estefan, Missy Elliott, Alicia Keys, and Mariah Carey, just to name a few. Melanie Benz was the assistant to Emmy award-winning choreographer Tice DiOrio for Taylor Swift and her sold-out tour, The Red Tour. She also assisted Tice DiOrio on the past two seasons of So You Think You Can Dance and also worked on the last two seasons of The Voice as a movement and staging coach for the contestants. Shifting into acting, Melanie has appeared on the big screen in the Muppets movie, Charlie's Angels 2, The Hot Chick, Malibu's Most Wanted, from Justin to Kelly, The Lincoln Lawyer, next to Matthew McConaughey, a guest starring role on NBC's Taxi Brooklyn, and the lead opposite Forrest Whitaker in the new film City of Lies, also starring Johnny Depp. Currently, Melanie can be seen on the hit TV show All American, the newest season of Grey's Anatomy, and a reoccurring role on the upcoming Netflix TV show The Lincoln Lawyer. Incredibly passionate, Melanie continues to spread her love of performing in positivity around the world to inspire young dancers, actors, and singers to dream big and embrace their uniqueness. If you'd like to learn more about Melanie Benz, please see our show notes for links to her social media accounts. Hey, everybody. I am so jazzed about today's episode. I cannot wait to share my guest with you. Her name is Melanie Benz, and I have had the privilege, honestly, of knowing her for quite some time. We have spent so many hours laughing together and God only know driving to all the places. I don't even know. Melanie, hi. Hi. And on top of it, I didn't even say this at the top, but on top of it, you're like ridiculously talented, which is why you're here talking to me today because everybody should know about your genius. Well, I I think that is so nice of you to say, but I'm merely just a mirror reflection of who you are. You're a good person. (laughs) 
<laughs> I love that answer. I say that to people too because it's a really lovely thing to say and you and very true. I mean, we all do reflect each other. But also it's a really good way to deflect your own awesomeness. So, you know, I get I get what's happening here. Um, <laughs> let's start at the very beginnings of you. Where were you born? What was your family kind of like? Tell me about young Mel from like zero to five or six. Ooh. Okay. I was born in Miami, Florida, or Miami Beach, Florida, the exact location. (laughs) I was born um, to a Yemenite. My mother was from Yemen, and my father was born in Jerusalem, in Israel, which is, I find, so epic. And I just had a really incredible, loving family life. And a lot of music, a lot of love, and a lot of like food and culture and different languages. And when I was, you know, a little kid and I had two older brothers, my mother was very big on us actually doing things. Like, what are we going to do? Like, uh, being active. And, 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 and I think our generation of people really, our parents were like, get outside, go do something, or you're going to be in karate, soccer, this, that, you know what I mean? Totally. Right. Totally. So I, what was happening was I was three and four years old. I was four years old and I really was obsessed with Madonna. Madonna was like (laughs) my life. And I used to perform for everyone. So if people came over to the house, whether it was my parents, friends, my brother's friends, whoever it was, I would make them sit down and I would take those old school broomsticks that actually used to separate the wooden (laughs) handle. So I would separate the bottom like fringy part and I would use it as a microphone and I would sing and dance um, to like a virgin, but it was fine. Nobody said I anything. I think it's so that funny point. that we were all kids when that song came out. And it's one of those things that, you know, when people talk about, oh, kids, you know, with video games and things of that nature, like we're brainwashing them with this stuff subliminally. And I'm like, we were all kids singing like a virgin. Oh. <laughs> like, when I think about it, I'm like, what? Why did my parents not be like, maybe not the most appropriate yeah. song, but I think they found it funny. And it was like, whatever. And, and my brother used to like, while I was singing, he would run and like kick the broom broomstick out of my hand. And, you know, so it came to a point that I was doing that every day and singing and dancing and like pretending that I was Madonna. Um, my mother was like, well, what do I do with her? And someone suggested, why don't you like put her in dance or something? So at four years old, my mother put me in dance classes and it was like, the life in me, it just exploded. So, um, just like, I, this just feels so right. It just feels so right. And I think it also just my parents and my brothers, I mean, my family were just like, Whoa, okay. This is, this is like her purpose, you know, just to be doing this and to be shining her light. And, you know, it was so great that my parents were just so supportive and they did anything and everything for me to have that life, you know, no matter how hard they had to work financially and, you know, they, they, it didn't matter. And they made sure that we didn't feel the brunt of like, oh, you can't have that. It was like, oh, you want 20 dance classes? I'm going to work 300 hours so that my brothers and I could be in every activity possible. 
So I really just owe it all to my parents and family for the support of, you know, allowing me to do what I loved. Amazing. I love, I love hearing that because especially as a creative, you know, and I've talked to so many people about these things more often than not, I have to say, I give a lot of kudos to the parents of creatives because more often than not, I've heard people say my parents were so supportive. There's the occasional like, oh yeah, no, like this was like, you know, I had to come back around to this as an adult or as an older person and really, really let them know how badly I wanted to do these things and and really prove myself. But I love hearing like in your circumstance, your parents are like, whatever the passion is, like we have, let's go chase it. Let's go follow it. Mm -hmm. That's pretty special. It is. It's really special. I know my mother was very tough because it got to a point. So that was up to like four years old or whatnot. But as like things started getting bigger and she saw that I, you know, actually was sticking with it and loved it. She just was like, Oh, okay. This is something really big for her. I, uh, I see, I see that there's this like there's this uniqueness about her and whatnot, but she, if, if I was exhausted, because I was exhausted and, and I, not many people understand this, but I always say that like the amount of hours that I trained and what I did in my life as a dancer, I was an Olympian, but we're not recognized in the Olympics right. because it's, do you know what I'm saying? I mean, there's rhythmic gymnastics. That's like, you know, dancing and artistic, but as a dancer, it wasn't considered a, a sport. I was going to say, or, I always find it fascinating that dancing is not thought of as athletics. Yeah. It's dancing. It's its own thing. But I'm like, first of all, dancers have the best bodies. Second of <laughs> all, well, and it's because you're using all of it. I mean, all of it, all of it in almost every that I've learned or, or studied or watched in almost every style you mm-hmm. are between the arms, the legs, the midsection, the way the shoulder movement, the hip movement, the flexibility, mm-hmm. the strength, if you're mm-hmm. partnering, you know, yeah. you guys are athletes for sure. Yeah. So you started dancing super, super young. Walk me through getting into that awkward, slightly more like middle school into junior high phase. Because the other thing about dancing that I find so beautiful is that Dancers are in touch with their physicality and their physique in ways that the average person is not. I mean, yeah. you guys are, requ- I mean, that's a requirement. You have to know what your body's going to do. You have to build the strength. You have to build the flexibility. So my experience with knowing any dancers in that, you know, hormonal teenage <laughs> time is that they're like, what? I can wear whatever I want. I can, you know, like, because there's no body shame. There's no... There's no um, element of not knowing themselves. I feel like they're just so connected that there's a confidence there that is super sexy for an emerging young woman that I don't, were you aware of that? I guess is the question. Like how was, how did that evolve you into a young, young person, a tween? Ooh, that's really interesting because I, at a very young age, maybe this is TMI, but I don't really care because <laughs> <laughs> um, when I was nine years old is when I got my period. So wow, that's I was, it, it's very young. And to have to navigate that as a dancer wearing leotards and tights for a young girl, I think that was actually very difficult for me. And what ended up happening is I also, you start to develop when you, you menstruate period, and, yeah. and I, I had hips and I had, 
you know, breasts, a body. Boobs, or I had a body. I started, I started to like emerge as a woman at a very, very young age. So here I was as a dancer and at a, such a young age, I had to start navigating that I looked different than everybody else. And that I didn't have the typical dance dancer body. And as I look at it now, I'm so thankful. But when I was younger, it was hard. It was a little bit difficult for me. Like I would be in my leotard and here were these like beautiful hips, but I didn't think they were beautiful at that age. I was like, Oh, why don't I look like this? Like straight bean pole. Yeah. Straight bean pole. And, and, you know, and, and I loved that. And I was classically trained as a dancer. I started with ballet. It wasn't like I came out and was like, just doing these like hip hop dances. I built like a really strong foundation in dance and did every form of dance, but ballet was my number one. And that's what I teach, you know, other dancers as well, that that's like the foundation of dance. And so I didn't have a ballerina's type body. I mean, I, I didn't care. I still did it and loved it. And, um, and so I was very in touch with my body and I was very in touch with my emotions because as we fuse those together, as as we talk about dancers being like athletic, they also, it's also this artistry and, and, And you know, you have to, yeah, a motive for sure. And so then as I got older, like I had this body that was, you know, a little bit more mature and I always looked a little bit older than I was and I never looked my age. And then I got into like middle school and I did have this, I, it's so interesting because I was at times could have felt a little shy and insecure about my body because it was so mature, but it never stopped me. And I felt so confident you know, as it, it, it gave me the opportunity to be confident in everything else. I think dance helps me. I was communicative, communicative with people. I could stand in front of the class and talk about anything that I wanted. I, you know, it was just, it really infused this incredible confidence within me as far as like how it into like the outer portals of life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, aren't we always awkward at that stage? I felt like I was just so, I was like, who, sometimes I look back at pictures and I'm like, oh my God, that middle school phase was just crazy. <laughs> Well, I will say this. So, uh, this is just a little insert on myself, which has nothing to do with anything, but I will say that I started with ballet and I had this French ballerina teacher who looked, took one look at me in a beautiful French accent. And she's like, too short, too squatty, go to gymnastics. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's like, ballet's never happening for you, kid. And oh. so um, I did. I actually took her advice. I wasn't insulted by it. I was probably only like six or something, but I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm looking at all the other little ballerinas and I definitely looked short and squatty and I only, you know, hit five foot two at the, anyway, I mean, that's how tall I am now. So I, but I had the perfect gymnast body. And so I did yeah. do gymnastics and all yeah. of that. But all that to be said, eighth grade was my prime. It's been a slow decline ever since. In eighth yeah. grade, uh-huh. I had like a four pack. I had big old boobs because like uh-huh. you, I just bloomed early. I had long blonde uh-huh. hair. My braces were off. The contacts were in. I was as hot as I've ever been. Uh-huh. And I've just never made it back since. So oh, I, can you just, <laughs> don't you dare. Don't you dare. But all that to be said, yeah, it's a, it is an awkward time. But I always, I always had so much... Um, Respect. I think I was always in awe of the dancers because the dancers yeah. always just seem to kind of not that we're not all awkward then, but they just seem to have a better sense of themselves. Yeah, physically, I did. Yeah. It did. I, I did. I mean, obviously, as I got older, a lot of insecure, like body image was weird. But you know, I will say that I, again, going back to the Olympian thing, the training was just unreal. Like, I mean, I it was 
hours and hours of training. And then I would come, you know, then after school, I'd have cheerleading. I was also a cheerleader. Right. And then after cheerleading, I had dance. And then I was at dance. I would come home at 11 PM and then I would start my homework. And then I would do homework from like 11 PM to like one or two. And then I would get up and do it all over again. So I was, it was just, I mean, it was just so it really prepped me for how I am now as a person, like how hard I work, my professionalism, um, the respect I have for, for people in my field or people that are older than me. But if I, there was, there was definitely a time that I was exhausted and I would go, mom, I'm exhausted. Like I can't go to dance today. She's like, if you don't go to dance, Melanie, you will not talk on the phone. You will not see your friends. You will not eat dinner. You will not, she, you know, she was like, I'm paying good money. I work yeah, my I was ass say, off. She's like, I work my ass off for you to go off. to that damn dance class for you to and go. show up. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, you're going yeah. today. And so, so I never, I never said again that I was tired. So, um, but that took me through my middle school years. I did, you know, I didn't like miss anything in my life, but there were a lot of situations through middle school and through high school where I was like, oh, I can't, I have to go to dance and I have a dance competition and I'm performing here and I'm doing, I I can't go to this party or I can't, you know, go away to whatever. So weekend camping thing or whatever. Yeah. I, I, everything was eat, breathe, live, dance and acting. Cause at nine years old, I had started doing commercials and, um, you know, I became very successful, you know, in that, in the acting realm as a kid as well. So it was just fun. It was just so much fun. And my parents were so supportive and, yeah, you know, did you already have a taste in your mouth as a young person? Did you think like, as a little, were you like, this is what I'm going to do? Or was it for you, was it like, this is what I do right now? Did you ever think that a life path would change for you? Or did you kind of feel like you were on it? I feel like I knew out of the womb. Like I knew at such a young age and I was like, that's it. And there was never like, like, oh, well, what do you want to be when you get older? And I was like, I always knew I was like, oh yeah, I'm going to be, I'm going to be a performer. I'm going to be a dancer. I'm going to be an actress. I I always knew. And there was never a plan B. I, I, everyone's like, well, do you think you need something to fall back on? I said, well, if you think you need something to fall back on, then you will fall back. And I never, there was never a plan B for me. It just never has never, never been that way. I, and I always felt confident in knowing that it was going to happen. I didn't know how it would happen, but I always knew I just, if I do something that I love and I, you know, it's so inherent with artists at such a young age, if you stay in your bliss, you will be guided exactly where you're supposed to be. And that's just what ended up happening. Yeah. So you get to high school and, um, everybody listening, you're going to see Melanie's picture when you go click on the podcast or whatever. But in, in my assessment, she is stunningly beautiful. I always tell oh, her yeah. she's a walking goddess. I, and also I should have put this in the intro, but you have the hair that I would murder for. No. Um, I, every time you walk in a room, I'm like, why wasn't I born with her genetics? She's just so damn gorgeous. And you're the same human to boot, which makes it all the better because it's one thing to look pretty and it's another to be gorgeous from the inside. All that to be said, you get to high school, you are a dancer, you are stunningly beautiful, you are in your living in your path, you know where you're going. How was high school? Were you, were you already professionally like setting your sights on getting out of high school? Were you happy in Miami? Were you like, I need to go somewhere else? Like how was your teenage brain working with all the information you had gathered to that point? Well, first, 
I have to say thank you so much for all the nice things that you said. Um, that's so nice. Well, they're true. I didn't say them to be nice. I just <laughs> well, well, I'm I'm in a place of 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 just just acceptance and thank you. So I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> uh, high school. So I there was this performing arts high school. Like I had an opportunity to go audition for a performing arts high school, but. I just was so mature for my age. And I knew that I was going to do this for the rest of my life. So I told my mom, I don't want to go to a performing arts high school. I want to go to a regular high school. I want to have a football team. I want to be a cheerleader. I want to go to homecoming. Like I wanted to have the experience of that high school. Rounded the the whole thing, the whole, the whole shebang. So that was my thought process going into high school. My mother was like, great. That's actually incredibly mature, I feel. I mean, honestly, because you're like, listen, I, I know what I'm designed for. I know, my, I know what I want to do. And this is an opportunity for me to see the whole picture the way very normal people see it. Maybe people with not as much talent as I have. And I want to go have that experience. I, I feel like that's pretty wise for a young person. Thank you. The, you know um, what I mean? Like, I think it would have been yeah. really easy. And I'm not knocking the other road. I mean, if that had no. been your road, it would have been a great road. But um, I think that shows a lot to your insightfulness and your wisdom because I, you know, I do think those well-rounded experiences also shape our capability to emote and yeah. to feel the whole thing. Like when, as an actor, it's like you have more to draw on with a bigger yeah. picture. You know, my father was a very spiritual man. And before I would go to school every single morning, we, you know, back then you would get the newspaper on every day or whatnot. And, and he would open it up and he would, oh, he was really big into astrology and he would open it up to the like astrology page and, and he would look at me and he would say, Melanie, you are a Leo. You are the king and the queen of the jungle and you can do anything that you want in your life. And so I already had, you know, this, oh, this, I love him. Daddies it. listen up. That's the right yeah. way to raise a baby girl. You can do anything, and anything. And so I always felt that I always felt that I can do anything and everything that I want. And so I had this, like, and he also taught me that I didn't have to go to a place to connect to something higher than me. Like we stopped going to temple because he didn't feel like, it was all about like business and money. And he just felt like, you know what, Melanie, or to my family, he's like, you can pray if that's what you want to do from anywhere, from your bathroom, from your friend's house, from outside, from on your bike. So I had a very like spiritual, he was just so grounding and spiritual and loving. And so that like state, I think that's what helped also with how mature I was and my maturity. And you have to be mature if you wanted to be in the industry. Like I had to grow up so quickly, just, you know, getting, going somewhere, auditioning for something, getting turned down. You know, I had, you know, at a young age, I was already experiencing these like life experiences that not many kids experience. So Again, I, I, that, I think that lent itself to me being so mature. I'm curious. But, um, I, I'm sorry. Finish your thought. No, that, I'm good. Go. No, I was just curious. As a first-generation American, yeah. did that play any weight? Into, I, I mean, obviously, Miami is a huge melt, as, as, as is the United States. But Miami is a cultivated melting pot. I mean, there's immigrants from all over the world living there. You have so much flavor and culture. Um, 
how did that play into your experience, like in the industry growing up and part of that maturity as well? Do you feel like there was any, did you know you were the daughter of immigrants? Like, did that stand out to you? Was that anything a part of your evolution as a young person? I did. And luckily in Miami, it was so accepting. Right. Like I went to a my elementary school, my middle school, and my high school were filled with every ethnicity that you can think about. So it never, it never right. played anything in my mind. Like the only thing that for me that was different was like, oh, I have kinky, huge, curly hair. And the girl, you know, maybe one girl didn't, you know? And so I always felt different, like in that way. But as far as like, I think it it made me who I was. Like the, the surroundings of Miami really cultivated who I am as a person now. And, you know, we talked about it of being open to like every ethnicity and culture and, totally. you know, so I think, um, I, I actually felt very empowered. I always felt like I had, it was so beautiful that my parents were from somewhere else. You know, I never felt like, you I know, love that. I love that. embarrassed. I, I, I always imitate their accent because I love it. I always right. felt like it was so cool and different and unique. So, um, I, so that was a big positive. I love that. It's how it should be. But I was just curious because oftentimes, you know, you'll hear, we'll say just people, whoever they be, but it's like, they'll be like, oh, it's first generation. It was hard. There's, you know, cultural differences and I'm trying to assimilate and I'm the, the pressure of being the first American. And, you know, and, and in this instance, it sounds like it was just a beautiful experience of having all of it. Yeah, it really was. Yeah, it really was. Um, you know, so. The lucky, lucky me. So with your parents and, and was college ever a discussion? Did you think you would want to go to college, not go to college? Did you get done with high school and go, that's it. I'm, I'm hitting the road. I'm pursuing my dream. Like how did that transition look for you? Well, I, you know, my parents trusted me so much. They were so free with me as I got, you know, as I was young, except I'm making sure I went to dance class. Uh, they just trusted my decisions and what it is that I wanted to do with my life. And they, they never thought any differently either. They just knew they were like, Oh, she's, she's going to be a professional dancer. She's going to be an act. They they just knew. Um, and so I did want to go to college. I ended up auditioning here. Here is interesting. I went to audition for Tisch school of the arts, like NYU Tisch. And I, and I went and I auditioned and I got cut like right away. And, um, I was really, really, really devastated because I was like, oh, how can I go to school and then also be able to be in the industry at the same time? I thought like, maybe this is the right quote unquote thing to do because that's what you, you, you're fueled in high school, like start prepping for college. Right. You know what I mean? Right. And when, you know, there's, 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 there's a gift in everything. And that ended up being like one of the biggest gifts for me. And so I came back to um, Miami at the time and I said, well, now what am I going to do? And I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to just, I'm going to go to, I applied to a university. It was called FIU, Florida International University. I got in and I was, and it was, you know, around the corner from my house. I moved out, you know, when I hit 17, I was like, mom, I'm leaving. I'm out of here. I'm going to move out. (laughs) She's like, oh, she said a few things that I'm not going to say because she's probably going to listen to this podcast. Um, (laughs) So, um, I left, I moved out. I, and I, and somebody said to me like, why don't you like audition for 
the Miami Heat, like the NBA, like dancer. I was like, oh, you know what? Sure. Like, why not? I'm going to school at FIU. Let's just see. So I auditioned and I got on the team and I stayed there for two seasons. And while I still went to the, you know, to, to college. And then I got um, a phone call that these two huge choreographers were coming in from Los Angeles. And they said, they're these, and I knew who they were because I'd seen all their work. And I was like, oh my God. I was like, they're coming to, to Miami. This is so cool. And they're like, and they're holding an audition. And they're holding an audition for a Gloria Stefan music video. And for us in Miami, Gloria Stefan's enormous. She I mean, she's is enormous, enormous everywhere. But yes, in Miami, it's definitely like, you know, the heartfelt center. Yes, the heartfelt center and her story, which is so beautiful. And um, there was no agents then. Like there was no dance agents in Miami. There were just like dance agents in New York and LA. And so it was by word of mouth. And so I went to the audition and... Um, there was hundreds of girls there and I auditioned and they were only looking, I think for one girl at the time. And I ended up booking it. So I ended up booking it and the choreographers came up to me after. <laughs> well, and yeah, you said, did. Yeah, you did. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, and they came up to me after and they were like, what the fuck? Or sorry. Ooh, can I, you can, yeah, you can, have you met me? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. What the hell? Yeah. What the fuck are you doing in Miami? And I was like, uh, what? Like, you know, they're like, you need to be in LA. I always knew I would make it to LA because I'm so bad with chronological order. But during like my teen years, I I had gotten I had done so well in dance and I'd received a lot of accolades and awards and scholarships that I constantly was being flown back and forth to Los Angeles to take from like master teachers. And that's like a bulk of my dance education that's what shifted me as a, that's what made me the dancer that I am today was those big master teachers that were teaching me. So I, I always knew that I would make it to Los Angeles, yeah. but in my head, I was like, well, what school is so reputable, which is why I ended up auditioning for Tish. Didn't get in right. Miami heat. Okay. So here we are. And so we ended up shooting this music video. And, um, after the music video, they said to me, what are you doing next week? I said, oh, nothing. They're like, oh, we're shooting another Gloria Stefan music video. Would you like to be in it? And I said, yes. So then I shot another one and it was the most amazing experience. And then they said to me, it was like a Friday night. We were, we had finished shooting and they said to me, listen, um, if you ever make it to LA, here's our number. You're all, Call if us. I ever, or should I just come now? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, hello, you're so intuitive. Um, I, that was a Friday night, Sunday. I packed my things a couple days later and I called my mom and I said, I'm moving to LA. And she said, go like that's, that's, she knew, always knew she's like, that's where you're supposed to be. Yeah. So did you have packed- to give how, with the, I'm just curious. This is just me filling in the gaps with, of my own knowledge. When you yeah. are a dancer for the Miami heat, do yeah. you have to like give notice? Do you just say, I'm not, do you audition every season and you have to get called back on? Or is it like you keep your spot? So you, you, aud- another audition that was like a thousand girls. It was crazy. It was so cool. I mean, that experience was like unbelievable. Um, so you do have to, I audition again, but you're kind of considered like you, you already know, have one foot in the door. They're one like, foot in the door. Right. And you know, so, but I, at the time had already finished my season. Like I was done being a heat dancer. Like the season was over. It literally was just so 
it was kismet that yeah. like that audition came in and, you know, um, and, uh, so yeah, I, 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 they talked to me on a Friday night on Sunday, I packed my bags, called my mom, I'm moving. I took all the money that I had and I booked a flight and took all my stuff and I arrived in Los Angeles and I only had like a hundred dollars, uh, in my, uh, left over from, from everything. And I was like, okay, well, what am I going to do? And I stayed at a hotel. Um, I stayed at the a hotel on sunset Boulevard. <laughs> so you didn't pick and a cheap hotel. <laughs> I, clearly I was like, what was I thinking? Um, I'm like, so you, you weren't calling a best Western baby. You were, like- <laughs> I, I didn't. And I, sh- but there is a best Western actually on sunset, <laughs> but I did not stay at that best Western. Um, and, uh, I arrived and I, I used the hotel phone which was so interesting. Like I didn't like pick up a cell phone. So I picked up the hotel telephone to call these choreographers and I called them and I said, Hey, and it was this, these guys named Rosero and Jamal. And I said, Hey, Rosero, Jamal. Hi, this is Melanie Benz. Do you remember me? And they're like, yeah, Melanie, we saw you on Friday. I said, Oh, okay. <laughs> well, I moved to LA. Um, I'm here. They're like, Oh, you're in a, now? Like, and oh, I said, oh, like you took us for our word? Like if you ever yes. come to LA, look us up and you were like, I'm going to be there Monday. Sweet. <laughs> yes, exactly. So they, they said, I said, what are you doing here? You should be in LA. Here's our number. Call us if you ever make it there. I was like, oh. And that's what's so the beauty of being like, you know, young and like, whatever, I'm yeah. going for it. Um, but I kind of have that. You I was going to say, it, it's not an age thing. I think you're that person anyway. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah. I'm like, just jump and the yeah. net will appear. Just jump and the net will appear. So I, uh, they're like, oh, okay, you're here. Well, um, what are you doing tomorrow? I said, uh, nothing. And they said, do you want to be in another music video? And I said, yeah. Yes, so, yes, I do. <laughs> and that was And that was basically how it like took off for me. And I did that music video and they walked me into their dance agency and said, this is a girl from Miami. Her name is Melanie Benz. You should sign her. And they signed me and just my career just like didn't stop from that point on. So I really owe so much to those choreographers. I always tell them, I'm like, you're the, you're the reason, you know? Um, and, uh, well, and that was going to be my follow-up question, which is so funny because it, it naturally came out and it naturally was so fluid, but my, the the obvious question is, LA is the big, I mean, it's, New York is the big city, right? But LA is the big, vast, massive, yeah. long, wide, you need a car to see all of it. And, and as much as you can watch TV and think that, you know, the beach is by Hollywood Boulevard and Hollywood Boulevard is by Beverly Hills. And like, you realize it's not all a block away and you, it's actually very vast and expansive. Yeah. Usually, you know, with artists, I'm like, how did it feel when you landed in the big, big, wide, long, stretching, vast city. For you, it sounds like it all kind of lined up so fluidly. But did you hit a point where it's like, okay, I I got there, I got the music video, I got the agent. And then you obviously made some money, you got an apartment. At any point where you're like, oh shit, now I'm in LA. Like, here I am. Or did it all just continuously, did you just keep working? Did you have to wait tables? Like, was there any in-between of like, oh my gosh, I live in a new city now by myself? I should probably start waiting tables now. No. <laughs> <laughs> there's nothing wrong with that. That's amazing. No, I love gosh, no, there's nothing. But, I, but most artists, it's like, you know, there's always that moment where there, there's a reality yeah. check. It doesn't always go 
swimmingly from zero the whole time through. There's the, and especially as a dancer, it's like there's times when you're booking, 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 and then there's a few months where you don't. Like, had you experienced that before? You know, I, when I landed in LA, I just never thought anything else would go any different other than, and I, I'm really a present moment person, you know, and I just enjoyed the ride. I just like, I arrived and I was like, all right, well, here I am. I better call the choreographers. And then they're like, oh, you want to do music? Great. In the music video, what's tomorrow going to bring? I, I didn't, I just stayed in the love of dance and the bliss of dance that it just kind of went, it just unfolded so perfectly for me. And, um, I, you know, of course there were times that I was, I was like, oh, I guess now I have to pay rent a lot, a big rent compared to like Miami. Miami was so much cheaper, but with dance, I, I never had to think twice. I just loved it so much. And just, I think I had prepared my entire life for it. I had trained so hard that this was the big leagues. And I was like, oh, I'm ready. Yeah. I'm, I'm so ready. And, and I also, I also was such a, a mature and like, you know, my dad instilling spirituality into me. I also knew that like, if I didn't get something, I wasn't supposed to get it. And right. I wasn't supposed to be there. I knew that I was always supposed to be exactly where I was, you know? And, um, and it just, the, the career which was, which was so lovely, ended up, I ended up meeting the most amazing people in the world and it ended up exploding. And I, I just felt very fortunate and, you know, again, looked very different than the other dancers and was just, I just, I really felt unstoppable. I was like, I don't care. I don't care that my hair is different. I didn't care that my body was different. Like, yeah, I, I, I didn't treat my body as well as I should have, as I do now, but, um, I went for it and I ended up, you know, being a dancer that when I would go and dance in the dance world and other people saw me, they were like, they would come up to me and say, thank you. Thank you for being a woman on stage and not being a stick figure. And, you know, you've inspired me. And I was like, oh, well, I've looked at other dancers that have that and have inspired me. And, you know, it's just, I, I, I feel so, 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 so fortunate to have had the life that I have had as a dancer. Now, when would you say, because obviously acting was in your childhood as well, as you're in LA, also the city of Hollywood and, you know, lights and stars, you're dancing and we haven't even gotten to like talk about it, but I mean, you've danced literally at the highest levels on all the fancy places, like, you know, in your resume, it'll tell all of that. But um, Uh, when did you start bringing (laughs) acting back into the fold or was that always there? Or did you kind of initially lean into the dance because it was offering all these great opportunities and then kind of bring acting back in later? Like, how did you, how did you navigate those waters? Well, again, this is like from my father. He always taught me, you know, Melanie, when you are doing homework, all you're going to think about is homework. And then when you're in dance, you're only going to like put your attention to dance. And then when you're with your friends, you're only going to put your attention to your friends. So he really said like, basically saying like, enjoy the now, be where you are. And I was, had the opportunity to, I, I, I wanted, I wanted to be the best I could possibly be. And that meant not to like spread myself thinly into just so many different areas. I said, if I'm going to do this and I'm going to be this dancer and, and I want to accomplish all of these things, I'm going to put 
not a hundred percent. I'm going to put 300% into my dance. So I focused and I danced until I couldn't, until I got to the place where I couldn't get any further. And then from there is when I said, okay, I had built this foundation in dance as strong as I possibly could. I'd gotten, I had achieved every goal that I had wanted to achieve as a dancer. And I said, great, now I can start again. Now let's, let's start acting. But I didn't, the transition wasn't like here I was, you know, people can't see me, but here I am like putting my hand like up. Like I I was at the top of my game as a dancer. I didn't want to just be like, Oh, I think I'm just going to be an actress and just like, you know, just start auditioning. I didn't do that. I went back to training. So we talked about the foundation of dance's ballet. Well, the foundation of acting is theater. So I, I classically trained myself as a theater actor first. So I went and went to like really incredible. I found the teacher that I loved and I studied with him. Um, his name is Arthur Mendoza. And then I, from there, and he said to me, he said to all of us, don't just go and start auditioning as an actor. Like you're so green, like make yourself the best you can possibly be and then start going. Like he didn't right. want you to ruin your reputation because a little Show bit acting, you're prepared. Like you go in, you're really green. You're like, oh, well, we're not, we're not calling back Melanie Benz ever again. Like if we see her picture come up. So I wanted to come out of the gate as strong as I did in dance, the same in acting. So it took me a very long time in order to have that transit. I mean, I'm just starting to, you know, really flourish in the acting department now. Um, so I took my time and then I went to another acting uh, studio with a woman named Alice Carter and Cameron Thor. And I just, you know, just wanted to like make Dive my- in. Yeah. Dive in and, and have texture and experience and confidence. And now I have confidence. I didn't have that confidence before as an actor, even though I did it as a young kid. It's different. Now it was like I was auditioning for like not like cutesy commercials. I was auditioning right. for real, real grit and life and trauma and drama. And, you know, so, um, and I think also it was so divinely time it, timed because. I have collected all of this wisdom. Like here I am. I've collected all of this wisdom throughout my life, through my travels, through culture, through everything to arrive where I am now as an actress, which is so much different than me being like 10, 15 years ago when I started studying acting. No, and that's true. And that's the beauty of, of acting in general is that the more life experience you have, the more diversity in your life that you have, the more you have to draw on. All right, everybody, today's episode is brought to you by the Raven Cafe, located at 142 North Cortez Street in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. I love this place. I eat there all the time. And let me tell you why. The Raven Cafe features a full, all-organic espresso bar and a wide variety of craft beers and wines. Their innovative menu is created with a focus on organic ingredients, many of which come from local sources. So head on over there. Enjoy a relaxing and comfortable environment decorated with rotating art shows by local and regional visual artists. And on the weekends, a lineup of the best in up-and-coming local music. You don't want to miss out on the Raven Cafe. It's absolutely one of my favorite spots in town. So head on over to ravencafe.com and order online or stop by to catch a happy hour on their beautiful rooftop patio. So let's, let's backtrack just a little bit. So you're in LA, you're just booking, 
life is great. (laughs) How was it to assimilate like as far as making friends? Now, obviously the dance world incorporates people with like interests and, you know, did you find on a personal level, was it a dog eat dog world? Was it a supportive world? Was it one that you really felt I mean, I I get a sense that with your confidence and your maturity that you had a good sense of who you were. Did the city, you know, nature nurture, did the city at all provide um, more for you? Or was that something you had to go up against and and be as a creative, as a dancer? Were there ever times where you were like, oh my gosh, like, I mean, I'm asking, I'm answering my own questions. This is really ridiculous. In my head, I'm like, she just told me that her dad gave her a great foundation of like, be where you are and be, you know, so I, I sense that confidence from you. But I guess what I'm asking is, was there a difference in the LA cultural community versus Miami? Was it embracing to you or was it cold for you? It was so embracing and it was so interesting. It was, it was, it, 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 it's like, I didn't ever leave Miami. Like when I came into LA, you know, there were, we were all so different and it was so exciting. And, um, and it was, I mean, obviously there are definitely a few trickle of dancers here and there that were like cutthroat and like, you know, go to the front and push you out of the way. But, you know, I believe that like equals like what you exude, you attract to yourself. And I ended up really, you know, I'm said I really love to support everybody and I want everyone to win. And whoever gets the job is supposed to get the job. Totally. And that was it. And that's what so. I figured you would say, honestly. But <laughs> I but I but I did find that you know, I was curious because it's it is at the end of the day, it is a competitive world. At the end of the day, someone gets the spot. And to have yeah. your outlook is so beneficial. It's like, it wasn't my spot to take, obviously, this time. But yeah. I did wonder if that takes any toll on you as you're living it. If you're like, oh, man, I really wanted that tour. Or I, was it always easy just to be like, it wasn't mine to get this time? Or were you um, just always booking so you didn't have to think about it? <laughs> You're like, no, girl, I didn't have to have that problem. I just landed all my stuff. <laughs> no, I'm definitely not going to say that here. But, um, it's okay. I said know, it for I, you. No, I, you know, yes, there's definitely jobs that I was like, oh, I really would have liked that. But I always knew, and I, and I, again, as a young kid, I always knew like it just, it just wasn't mine for whatever reason, whether I wasn't, I was either saved from something, right. you know, like I believe energy is equated, like at, like equals like how, what frequency you're vibrating on, you're going to attract the same frequency on the other end. And so if I didn't get a gig, I was like, Oh, I was saved from that gig. And sometimes you hear later on, like the job was hell. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, hi, you know, we don't always get that hindsight, you know, but at times I would. And what would happen is let's say I didn't get that gig. And, um, I auditioned for another gig, you know, shortly thereafter. And then I booked that gig and I was like, oh, this is where I was supposed to be. These are actually my people. So that kind of always happened. Like, you know, where, oh, that's the reasoning I didn't get that. And and I just, it was okay. I, I, did I cry? Maybe, maybe once I, I did, I did cry once for one audition that I didn't get. Which but, one? Um, I went to New York city and I was already an established dancer. I had worked already so much, but I was like this LA dancer. You know, I wasn't this like New York Broadway dancer, which I love New York so much. Um, and I was auditioning for Rob Marshall's movie Nine. 
And I had known about the play eight and a half weeks, about the movie, about, you know, all of it. I, I know it from beginning to end. And I went to audition and it was like, of course, hundreds of girls. And um, Daniel Day-Lewis, who plays the lead in it. That and, schlumpy actor. Yes. Yeah. So that I've guy. Never heard dead. of him. Yeah. Never heard of him and has zero <laughs> talent. He was in the audition and he was sitting in the front with Rob Marshall and Rob Marshall was, oh, you know, he did Chicago know, and all amazing. of these he's amazing. And I was like, Oh my God, this is who I wanted to work with. And I was already studying acting. And so in my head, I was like movie musical. This is my dream. I've always wanted to do like the acting, singing, dancing thing. And so in a film, because, you know, I grew up watching Gene Kelly, Fred Astaire. Like, well, yeah. Was, and it marries everything you love in one place, in one place, <laughs> in, that, in one place. And that was my, and my dad loved that as well. My dad was a really amazing dancer. And, um, so I uh, was auditioning and, and everyone was so gracious and lovely. I mean, Rob Marshall, the choreographer, it was so, it was, there was no like cutthroat anything. It was none of that like feel. It was just like, there was so much love in the room. And Daniel Day-Lewis was this like shy. He was so shy and he was like, he's so humble and like, thank you. Like, you know, he didn't, he didn't want any attention on him and, you know, and I got cut. And it had and it and it and it had never happened, and it was okay. And I had gotten cut the first, the first round, like right away. And I was like, "Oh, okay, oh, oh that's what and, that's like." <laughs> and that, you know, and it was good. It was so good for me. And I uh, remember sitting. I was it was on like Forty Second Street, like right in Times Square there. And I was sitting outside of the. It was like like a movie, and I was 42nd sitting on Second Street. <laughs> yeah, exactly. that's amazing. And I sat there with my bags and I was sitting on the floor and, you know, I had all my like dance gear on and just bawling. Like I, this was like my biggest dream to be in a movie musical with Rob Marshall and doing all the things. And, and I didn't get it. And, um, I remember calling my agent and I cried to her and I was, she's like, it's okay. It's okay. She's like, it's actually okay. I just booked you on a job that starts tomorrow. So don't worry about it, you know? And, and so I was like, okay. But then I saw the film and the film was gorgeous and beautiful. And, and what ended up happening is they didn't hire, I think they, they didn't hire any dancers from, from the States. They ended up filming in London and they ended up hiring all the like, you know, yeah, the forces there. Be, there was a whole other plan. There was a whole other plan. I wasn't supposed to be there. And that wasn't the time that I was supposed to work with him because, right. you know, I, I still have him splashed all over my vision board. Yeah. Like, you know. <laughs> I am curious to know, just, uh, this is me just being gossipy me. Yeah. What, what have you booked that's been your most excited? Like, right out the gate, like when you found out you booked, because you have so many things you've booked, but when you found out you booked whatever it was, what do you think has given you the most excitement? That's so hard to say. I, you know, I, it's a great question. I just, you know, from the, from, from the beginning of me being in LA, like the most exciting, it was a, a, a huge, again, these auditions are just enormous, but there was an audition for Jennifer Lopez is just when she had started, she had just started um, singing. She was doing some acting stuff and she became an artist and, um, and I was already on another job and I couldn't make the audition. And I was like, oh my God, ha, I don't get to dance. I don't get to dance for like the dancer that turned into this actress dancer that like I inspired, that, that has inspired me. And, and so I couldn't make the, the audition and in auditions, they separate girls and guys. And so I couldn't make the female audition. And um, a friend of mine who was on the job that I was working on was like, 
you know, Mel, like I, I have a friend that knows the choreographer. I have to call them for you. Like maybe something can happen. I don't know. So she called the friend and the friend called the choreographer and said, and it was this choreographer named Tina Landon, who is just mm, legendary, legendary. Yeah. And He's like, hey, Tina, there's this girl named Melanie Benz. Like, I actually think you would really like her. She's not able to make it to your audition. And she's like, oh, that's okay. Can she come to the male audition? Like, it's the next day or something. And he said, "Uh, sure. So the next day I was free. Well, of course, divine timing. And I ended up going to the guy's audition. And so I was like one of the only, I think another girl was there or maybe two others that couldn't make from the, from the same job they wanted to audition. So I was like, you guys, let's do this together. So like one of the only females. And so we go and we audition. And before I walked into the audition, I had a friend of mine who had worked with her prior and said, Melanie, just dance exactly how she dances. Don't do anything extra. Don't do, if she says her pinky is here, make sure the pinky is there. Like just be exact. Like that's the type of choreographer she is. And I was like, okay. Fine. So I think it worked, ended up working to my advantage that I had missed the girls' audition because we stuck out. Like I ended up sticking out right. because I was inevitably you're only, in a better circumstance to be seen. I was in a better circumstance to be seen. And so I auditioned and um and at that audition we got like a standing ovation, I guess, because we were just like the girls, you know? And um, and I think it just it just made us stand out. And I ended up, I was the girl that booked the job yeah. and I got the phone call and they were like, uh, you booked the Jennifer Lopez. Like you booked like all the things with Jennifer Lopez. And I was like, <laughs> and that was like the, the first big thing for me as a dancer. Cause I had just arrived in, right. in, in LA. And so I was like, Oh my God, this is great. And Huge. she was just the, she was so good to me. She was so nice to me and so good to me and loving and, um, generous and, you know, all the things. So I'll, I'll never forget that. But I had that, everything that I ended up booking after that felt like an explosion. So you mean like Justin Timberlake or Janet Jackson, or I mean, <laughs> should I just name drop a little bit more? Yeah. You turd. Oh, I love it. She's like, funny. which one to pull from? I'm just not sure. I love it. No, that's so exciting though. Um, Because I, I, especially when you're new and off the boat and you're like, here I am in LA, like the big city, you know, and somebody that I have idolized or appreciated for her talents. And then to, to be called and say, it's, it's your time to hang out with her and show what you're made of. You're like, this is the best. It was unbelievable. And then I got to, you know, I got to see places that I never thought I'd be able to see in my life. And, you know, learn more, more cultural things. So pretty wonderful. Thank you. May I ask you some questions? Oh my, okay. So for everybody listening at home, um, I'm on zoom with Melanie, but my husband and my loud dogs have now chimed into the room and he knows Melanie very well. So he's waving. (laughs) I'm trying to get her to come visit Deej. I'm trying to get her to come visit. He says, yes, come visit. Yes. Okay. So everybody at home listening, you know, that's that. That's how that works. Families, you know, eat together, love each other. This is Melanie's in our family. We love her. Um, So that was my husband interrupting our interview. Um, Let me ask you a few questions that I like to ask all my guests. And um, I told you this before the show. It's like, normally I try to prepare people and let them know these questions. And this is what I love most about you. You're like, you know what? I don't want to know the questions. 
Just ask me. Let's see where we go from there. Come here, Ninja. Of course, my husband left the room, left the annoying dog in here that I just tried to get rid of. (laughs) Okay. Um, Here are the questions. Having been on the journey that you have been on to this point and having having taken all the steps you've taken and the, as you said, it's like just leap and the parachute will build itself, you know, or the net, you said the net will will show up. Um, What is one thing you would tell your younger self? I would probably tell my younger self to love myself more, you know, because I feel like as a dancer, as an actor, you tend to nitpick little things and, you know, I I have to be perfect. And I would just tell my younger self that the imperfection is the perfection. Mm, mm. I'm snapping to that one, girl. (laughs) The imperfection is the perfection. Those are the things that make you, you. Mm -hmm. I love that. I mean, that's timeless advice. I love that advice. I would tell my younger self that and myself, I'll tell myself that tomorrow. (laughs) Sorry. I I didn't mean to leave the moment. Um, My dog is a pain in the butt. Sorry, everybody listening at home. This is not my usual plan. Let me ask you this. What would you say with the career, the immense career that you have had and that you continue to have, what would you say has been a career high but what would you also say has been a career low and why? I, I think that the career high would just have to be, I I look at it and I think a majority of my career was a high, to be honest. And I was, I'm such an appreciative person and I, I, but I do know like as a, the dance part of me, you know, it was a big deal to make it to dance for Janet Jackson. And I knew that like, once you, you got there, that you were, you were at the top. So that definitely was a career. Yeah, high. I mean, iconic. She's an iconic artist as a dancer, as a performer, as an act, all the things. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm just curious. Cause somebody at home is wondering this working for her in her camp. Good people. Yeah unbelievable unbelievable she's such a, a a dancer's artist like there are some artists that you work with and they're like oh they don't really care they don't connect to the dancers they don't really care they're like oh they're just the dancers at the bottom of the the, the totem pole i haven't had a lot of those experiences um but i've experienced that a little bit here and there but she's like fully like my dancers are my people my, my family my, people, my team my family yeah. you know um so that was that was so beautiful that she uh, welcomed us that way and loved us so much. I another follow up question to that just because it's so fun to get somebody on the show that has experiences with these like massive celebrities that you know everybody's infatuated with massive celebrity. I mean, we all are. We all yeah. have love the gossip and the things and the. Um, when you're working with a massive celebrity like that, and you are your own talented goddess. How do you navigate the line of, I mean, I would imagine that in your own professionalism, doing your best, bringing your best to the table around this other brilliant human being is just part of the professionalism. But how does that work when you are also a creator in your own right and you want, you know, you're also working to be at the highest level of your own career? Do you sit in those situations as an opportunity just to grow? Do you ever have the moments of like, that should be me up there? 
you know, front and center. How, where does ego play? And I ask you this because you do such a great job of checking ego at the door. And I know this about you, but for people listening who are starting their careers and wondering how these things work, where are the lines of ego in building your own professional catalog while also working for others who have already made a massive name? Well, I really enjoyed every aspect of dance and just allowed, like, you know, we talked about being in the present moment. So I was always in the really in the present moment place. And I wasn't thinking, when am I going to do this? Or when am I going to do that? I just stayed in the moment. And, and when you stay in the moment, I think something that I call inspired action ends up happening instead of what we call. So there's two words, there's motivation, which is forced. And then there's inspiration, which is that inspired action that like naturally happens. And I wasn't sitting around and just waiting for something, but I will tell you the moment that it happened. And it's very interesting. It was while I was dancing for Janet Jackson. And while I was dancing for Janet, we were performing in Italy and it was like, I don't know, a hundred thousand people. It was like ridiculous, the amount of people. And I was dancing behind her and I, and I was loving it, but there was something missing. I was like, uh oh. I had a feeling and the feeling was that I had, I had reached a place that I was like, Oh, I want more. This is going to be my last time. And it was my last time. Yeah. And that was the inspired action. It was like, it, it, it all, you know, it, it, it came to a head there. And I literally, while I was dancing, while I was dancing behind her, I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm done. Okay, great. Time to move into the acting realm. And that's the last time that I, I mean, I did a couple little dance jobs here and there, but I was, um, finished dancing for her. And I, Justin, I had been on tour with Justin Timberlake a year prior to that. And he had came to me and he said, you know, Melanie, um, I'm going to go on tour again. Like, are you ready? And I said, no. And he said, what do you mean? I said, I, I'm, I don't, I don't want to, I'm not going to go on tour with you. Basically like asking, like, yeah. you know, like, are you ready to go on tour? And I said, no, I, I want to be an actress. And he looked at me and he said, wow. He said, good for you. Good for you. And that was it. And then I, I started acting classes. So um, that's, that's when I knew. I love, I love, thank you for sharing that, by the way. I love, because I love... I love knowing those moments. I think those moments are the the life defining moments that you that at some point we'll all look back on and, and go, "Wow, I was really brave," or "Wow, I really listened to my insides." Um, that being said, what would you say has been a career low and why? I think the career low would have to be like when I made this transition into acting, and I saw that it was very different to like how my dance career started. I I think I just got really hard on myself and, you know, the self-talk wasn't as positive as it could have been. And so I've definitely just, I would say that that was like possibly, you know, the low and not trusting and not believing that like I spent all these years, you know, it's like, Melanie, divine time. You've always known this. I think, you know, we collect things along the way as we get older from mass consciousness, the collective about like, it's hard and it's hard to do this. And then you start, you start the noise, you start taking it in. Yeah. Start taking it in. And I think I started to take in the noise. And so I, 
I, I, I would say it was like in the midst of like, you know, really trying to forge forward into the acting stuff. And then it, until very recently. And then I finally came to a point where I was like, fuck this. I know who the fuck I am. I know, I, I know what I have to give. And if, and it's not a big deal and who cares? You're exactly where you're supposed to be. Melanie, remember, remember what you were always taught. And so now it feels like I'm coming back to my childlike self. I'm coming back to the place of, you know, just jumping and the net will appear. And, um, so I, I, I also have to say that there's beauty in what we call tragedy. There's like a gift in everything. And so that was like one of the biggest gifts, you know, because without the bad, we don't know the good without the rain. We don't know sun, like, you know, so, um, there's a gift in all of it. So now I'm in a place of where, like, I just keep my heart open through the heartbreak, through this, through all of it. And I, and that's honestly why I asked that question, because I think it's really easy, especially with somebody with the career that you have had and continue to have. And, and just for everybody listening, she does book and she is on TV. So don't, don't, oh, don't worry. <laughs> but I, I asked that question because it's really easy in a time of social media posts of look what's going right. It's really easy to say, oh, you know, things unfold and I have this and I have that. And we don't often share or see the parts where you go, yeah, I questioned myself or I doubted myself or I heard the noise or I didn't jump in with the same confidence because I think that evolution and that growth is just as equally important to becoming the artist that you're supposed to be, you know? And so I appreciate you being so forthcoming and honest about that because, you know, it's not all a party all the time, people. It's just not. (laughs) I mean, we try to make it that way, but it's just not always that way. But what a gift, what a gift it it offered me to be able to connect. I mean, that, I think that's why we connect with the actors on TV that have had the life that they've lived. You know, there's, there's this realism, there's no, there's no acting involved. And it's like, oh my God, that person that I connect to that, like that person's inspired me. And so, you know, I think it's really important to bring all of those things into your art. Absolutely. My last question. Yes. What would you say at this point? is your definition of quote unquote success. And has that word changed for you over your career? Yes. Um, I used to think, I think as a a younger person that success equated to, to money and status. And now I realize that success equates to happiness. So here I am, you know, I've gone through the fire and I've emerged and here I am finding happiness in the smallest things in when the sun rises and I find happiness in, in, in health. And that's, and that's the truest success to me is like doing what it is that you love. Cause then you don't have to work a day in your life, right. you know? So, um, success to me now is, is happiness and, and loving myself so that I, loving myself, I could love other things and, and be a light worker here in the, in the collective, you know? Yeah. I love it. I don't, does that make, did that make sense? No, it made perfect sense. It made perfect sense. And I was just going to add to it and just say, you know, I think that that's, that's one more question that I feel so fortunate to hear so often that the answer is people realizing that happiness is really the, the strongest currency we have. It's like if, if you are 
greeting people with a genuine happiness. If you are operating from a place, and that's not to say everybody's happy all the time. That's not what it's about. But it's about the fulfillment of being happy. It's about saying, are these things filling my life? And I wake up every morning happy in the place that I am with the choices I've made because I've made choices to fulfill myself. So therefore, I am far happier opposed to I've made choices to make the most money or I've made choices to have the big house I can't afford or I've, you know, like the things of those nature. And it never doesn't move me to hear somebody say that because I genuinely believe as a human collective, we are all slowly figuring out the most important things. And Mm -hmm. it's just a big... um, hopeful wish to the future generations that at some point that will be the currency, you know, and yeah. instead of the discovery. Of so I, I love hearing that. And I think it's so true. I think it's so true. And I think you're fantastic and wonderful. And I, I'm going to, I'm going to hound you until you come visit me. That's what I think. Oh, please do. Please do not <laughs> stop hounding me. <laughs> and thank you for having me. Like what an honor. And, you know, I just adore and love you so much. And you are so insane insanely talented yourself and I am you're a very inspiring woman and so thank you for doing doing that and forging forward for all of us you're so sweet thank you I'm gonna just say thank you because I yes, am also exactly. a reflection of you my dear um how last thing where should I know and I love this about you you're not like overtly active on the socials and things like that because you are in the presence of where you are and um you stay very in tune like well, something everybody should know if you are lucky enough to go to lunch or dinner with Melanie Benz this woman gives you her undivided attention and it will never not be a thousand percent like organically whole and wonderful to hang out with her but assuming people want to love you and stalk you as much as I do where should they be following you where should we have people what's your Instagram or your Facebook or whatever whatever place that you would do the most of where should they go to (laughs) well you know it's funny that you should ask um my uh I'm I'm not like a huge social media person and you know, I, and not to say that uh, there are so many beautiful things on social media that I've seen. Um, I do have a social, I do have an Instagram and you, if you, if you want to see things, I mean, <laughs> I don't have much on there, but it's, um, at Mela Benz. And I just recently started a YouTube channel because I was talking to my brother. My middle brother is just, he's just so fun and intelligent and powerful. And he just, he's so inspiring to me and what he's created in his own life. And he's like, you should start a YouTube channel. He's like, you have so many facets, Mel. He's like, you're not just a dancer. You're not just an actress. Like, you know, not many people know that like I speak other languages or that like I travel the world all the time, (laughs) travel the world or my spirituality or that like I have 3000 crystals and, you know, I'm you know, really follow my intuition and I cook. And like, I grew up in a house that like every single meal was cooked for us. And that I'm inspired by that when I travel the world through food and through art. And so I, there's not much on there yet, but I've just started it to just kind of like show other facets of myself. Um, so I started a YouTube channel for fun and not for anything other than, you know, even, even just to say, like, I use a lot of like natural products, like things that I use for my hair because I'm I have subscribing while you're talking. Yes. Okay. I, mean, I have like, I don't even think I have a subscriber, so you'll see. <laughs> um, 
There's not many, but um, I'm going to Melanie Benz and I'm seeing what happens right now. Oh yeah. I, if it pops, Boom does it town. pop up? Oh yeah, girl. <laughs> I found you. This oh. is wonderful. Everybody go find Melanie Benz and subscribe. You do have, a, I can subscribe. So now I'm subscribed. Oh, thanks. Oh my gosh. That's so exciting. Um, <laughs> So I have that. So that's the social media thing. Um, I'm doing my best to just share, you know, some things that I'm passionate about. And if that will help somebody, then great. I love it. I love you. Thank you for being my you. guest. Thank you for having me. Are you kidding? You're the absolute best. No, you Don't start with me. You Come really visit me. me. I will. All I right, darling. Mwah. Love you Until so much. Soon. Until soon. Yes. Until soon. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. Um, I really appreciate it. <laughs> and that's the perfect note to end on. Bye, doll. <laughs> Bye, babe. Today's podcast is brought to you by one of our awesome sponsors, New Belgium. One of their beers, Voodoo Ranger IPA, is a favorite here at the Creative Convergence. Voodoo Ranger IPA is perfectly balanced with notes of guava, mango, and pineapple with a delicately bitter finish. For beer news and occasional mediocre advice, follow at Voodoo Ranger on Twitter and Instagram, where you will hear about what's new and where you can find Voodoo Ranger near you. Voodoo Ranger IPA. Drink responsibly. Live rangerously. Thank you for listening to The Creative Convergence, coming to you from Raven Sound Studio in historic downtown Prescott, Arizona. Are you a professional in the arts and would like to share your story with us or a company that would like to advertise with us? Shoot us an email at contact at ravenproductionsmedia.com. Help support the arts by becoming a Raven Productions member. Get your perk card and be the first to know about all of our upcoming promotions, events, and online programming. Your membership will directly support the arts programs in our schools. Sign up today at ravenproductionsmedia.com. Until next time, be safe and enjoy the journey.